0: preached a sermon? (laughs) Perhaps I should just sit down. (laughs) There have been a number of really great occasions in our national life, haven't there, this last year or so? The Royal Wedding last year, the Diamond Jubilee celebrations earlier this year, and then the opening and closing ceremonies for both the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Times of great celebration and joy that no doubt were the result of months and probably years of really careful planning. And you kind of hope and pray that nothing's going to go wrong on the day. And particularly those of us who will remember what happened the day after the announcement that London were going to get the 2012 Olympics, the 7-7 London bombings. I don't know how many of you will remember, but that day of complete devastation when London was brought to a standstill after the celebrations of the night before. So I'm sure that for me, I wasn't the only one who prayed hard and breathed a sigh of relief that there was no repeat of that terrorist activity, particularly during the Olympic Games. It would have been unthinkable, wouldn't it? Hard to imagine the devastation where celebration could have been turned to catastrophe in one quick moment. But actually, that's exactly what happened in this Bible reading that we've just heard. Only in our reading, the disaster wasn't the result of terrorist activity. It was something that actually came from the hand of God. And in a sense, that made it even more shocking. What were the Israelites to make of it? And what are we to make of it? Well, just to set the scene, David had been anointed by Samuel the prophet to be king when he was just a young man. And for years, he'd been unjustly treated by the then king, Saul. But finally, he'd come to the throne, and it was clear that his anointing had come from God. He enjoyed a time of great success and blessing. Every battle he went into, he was successful, and there was blessing in his family life. People could see that God was with him. And God himself, in another bit of the Bible, describes how David was a man after his own heart. I love that. David had a good and a pure heart. And he wanted to honour God. He wanted worship of God to be central to the nation. So he had this desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant. This is the most powerful symbol of God's reality and reign, the place where the very presence of God dwelt between the cherubim. David wanted to bring the Ark up to Jerusalem. He wanted to restore it to its rightful place, not just a mascot that was taken out ahead of the Israelites into battle, but central to the life and worship of the nation. And it was a good intention that David had, something that won the support of the officials and the whole nation, because we come to this event that we've just heard tonight, this celebration of of bringing the ark up to Jerusalem. We pick up the story in 2 Samuel 6, how the ark was placed on a new cart and pulled by oxen. And in verse 5, this is what it says, David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and with harps, lyres, tambourines, cisterns, and cymbals. It was a great celebration. And you can kind of picture the scene, can't you? And then suddenly, disaster strikes. The oxen stumbles, and the ark's in danger of toppling over. So Uzzah reaches out and puts his hand on it to steady it. And then the Lord's anger, in verse 7, burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of the Lord. In one brief moment, that scene of colourful, joyful celebration transformed into a scene of shock and horror, and I'm sure a sort of stunned silence as people couldn't believe what they'd seen. And David's first reaction in verse 8, we're told, is that he became angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And actually, who can blame David? You can feel, can't you, a sense of injustice about what happened. Because Uzzah was, after all, only looking out for the ark. Wasn't it better that he reached out to steady it than it toppled to the ground and crash? Hmm, maybe. And David, you know, you can almost imagine him saying to God, Look, God, you know, I'm doing all this for you anyway, for the honour of your name. How could you do this to Uzzah? And in verse 9 we read that David's anger turned and he became afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come with me? His anger turned to holy fear. So the ark went to live for a little while at the home of Obed-Edom the Gittite. I don't know what Obed-Edom the Gittite had done to deserve the ark, but that was where it went. And although it doesn't say in this passage, you can only just imagine that there must have followed a period of sober reflection for David as he reflected on what had happened. After this season of everything having gone swimmingly well for him, perhaps this was a time for him to remember that the source and reason for all of his success was God. There's a song, isn't there, that says, it all begins and ends with you. And that was how it was for David. Yes, God desires and deserves our worship and our service, but he's a holy God, and we can only draw near to him on his terms. David's intentions to bring the ark to Jerusalem were good, but it would seem that his preparations were lacking. He'd sought the opinion of the people, but perhaps not earnestly enough of God, because if he'd been more thorough, he would have remembered that the ark should never have been put on a cart. It should have been carried on poles and then only by Levites, the people of God who were specially set apart by God to handle the holy things. And in a parallel chapter in the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, that tells um, the same story, this is what David says as he reflects on what happens. This is when the ark was going to come up to Jerusalem again. He says, Because of you, the Levites didn't bring it up in the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So it kind of seems as though David went away and thought about it and searched the scriptures and perhaps realized that actually, although God's judgment on Usher might have been very severe. There was a a reason for it. He hadn't honoured the holy things of God in the way that God had said. And for David, this must have been something of a reality check, a reminder that God is a holy God and that his holiness is something to be revered and honoured. And I don't know, but I wonder in the role of this success and popularity that David had enjoyed, whether it was possible that he began to see himself as invincible, It can happen so easily, can't it? That creeping of pride in our lives. The pride that so often comes with fame. And that question that we always should set before us who gets the glory when things go well? It's a lesson for us all, isn't it? It's one of um, Solomon's proverbs that's um, translated in the Message Bible that the purity of human heart is tested by giving them a little fame the purity of the human heart is tested by giving them a little fame and this incident for David was that sort of reality check you can see can't you the way he responded you know how can the ark of the Lord ever come with me a sort of more humble response and you know humility is probably one of the most important qualities in Christian leadership we only have to look at Jesus to see that don't we So, you know, those of us who are in leadership, we need to pray, don't we, that God will help us to walk humbly before before him. And, you know, I would urge you, please, to pray for us who are in leadership, that God helps us to do that, because it's so, so easy. Things can turn in an instant. So, back to the story of the ark. It was taken to the home of Obed-Edom, and for three months it stayed there. Blessing came to him and his whole household, And David got to hear about it. And he must have known in his heart that it was the right thing to try again to bring the ark to Jerusalem so that it could take up its rightful place at the heart of the Jewish worship. But this time he made sure that it was done the right way. So we get this second procession planned and enacted, and the ark is carried on poles by Levites in the way that God had ordained. But not only that, if you look in verse 13... It says when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. This sacrifice, this reminder that sacrifice was central to the worship and it is only through the shedding of blood that there's forgiveness. It's only through the shedding of blood that God's people are able to draw near to a holy God. David, we're told, was dressed simply in a linen ephod and danced before the Lord with all his might. But you kind of get that sense of reverent awe. It was a more humble David who was worshipping the Lord his king as he led the ark and brought it safely to Jerusalem because it was done in the right way. So, what are the lessons for us as we draw near to worship? What is the right and the holy way for us to draw near? Have you had moments when we get that same sort of reality check? Perhaps we become aware something happens and we become aware of our own sinfulness, of the fact that we've fallen short of God's glory. Uncomfortable times, but so important for us to acknowledge and to respond to. I had a time like that a couple of weeks ago. I found myself recently involved in a very privileged ministry situation with somebody. I've known that God's been with me. I've known that his blessing's been on me and working through me. But I became aware a couple of weeks ago of one particular decision I'd taken that left me feeling uncomfortable. I was aware that there was an element of pride that had crept into my heart, and I didn't feel good about it. In fact, I felt quite distant to God as I came to pray. And then I realised what it was that had triggered it. And a bit like King David said in Psalm 32, I didn't cover up my sin, but I acknowledged it before God and asked him to cleanse me and heal me. And actually, the transformation was immediate. It was like I was washed clean and made new. And there followed one of the most intimate times of worship I've had with God recently. Just him and me on the office floor. It was absolutely beautiful. But it came out of me acknowledging my sinfulness and saying sorry to God. You know, we all mess up, don't we? Let's be honest. We all mess up. And when we do, it's not difficult to come to God and ask for that cleansing and healing. Often the difficulty is more getting us to that point where we come to him to ask for it, isn't it? That's where the struggle is, perhaps with our own pride and our own blindness. I love that passage in Hebrews 10 that speaks about the new and living way that's been opened for us. It speaks, says to us to come with confidence into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that's been opened to us through the curtain. And to come knowing that we have a great priest over the house of God so that we can draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You know, God wants us to come near to him. He loves it when we draw near to him. But we need to remember that we can only draw near on his terms. And I love our worship, St. Michael's. I love that sense of being able to draw near to God and of having him draw near to us. But I don't know about you. For me, sometimes it can almost feel that you can crash into God's presence. You know, we don't perhaps always take the time to reflect and remember that it is only by grace that we can enter and only by grace that we can come. And it's nothing to do with us. It's to do with what Jesus has done by the blood of the Lamb, as that chorus says. So like with David, God desires and deserves our worship, but we can only come on his terms. We can only come through Jesus. And it costs God dearly to open that new and living way for us. I love that song we sometimes sing, I don't take what you give lightly, friendship instead of disgrace. So when we have moments where, like David, I mean, hopefully nobody will be struck dead, but moments where we get that sort of reality check, And we need to come and acknowledge our brokenness, our sinfulness by God. Actually, we shouldn't feel afraid by those, because that's when we're humbled, isn't it? And when we actually come to draw near to God in a more powerful way. So let's just go back to David for one last time. I wonder how he felt at the end of that day when the ark had been brought up to Jerusalem. Mission accomplished. His heart full of praise overflowing with praise to God and actually with blessing to people and I love the way that everybody got sent home with that present a loaf of bread a cake of dates and a cake of raisins and David went back to his own home to bless his own household you can imagine can't you he must have felt so thrilled by what happened but actually trouble awaited him there because his wife Michal who'd been the daughter of Saul the previous king we're told had seen him when he was dancing before the Lord coming to Jerusalem and she had despised him in her heart and when he got home she came out and she challenged him what were you doing there disrobing in the sight of everyone well David must have been taken aback and he must have been really deeply saddened by her response but he stood his ground actually what mattered to him was that he honoured God and he didn't really care what anybody else thought about him And the consequences for Mika were not good. She had no children to her death. So the last thing I wanted to say is just that worship and holiness isn't just about what we do or we don't do. It's also about our hearts and how we respond to what we see others doing or not doing. One of my favourite proverbs says about guarding our hearts because it's the wellspring of life and those of us who are here this morning spoke, heard size speak about the danger of passing judgment you know when we do that we stand on dangerous ground and i can remember years ago being really challenged by this one little verse that says who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master he'll stand and fall or fall and god will he will stand because god is able to make him stand so how others worship may not be your style it may not be my style And actually it's fine, we don't have to do it, do we? We don't have to do what they do. But we do need to allow each other to have that freedom in worship. And allow the Spirit of God working in them to witness to the Spirit of God in us. So that we're drawn near to worship. When Moses came down from the mountain after he'd met with God, his face was shining with the glory of God. And Paul speaks of how our faces reflect the glory of God as we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So rather than judging and despising others when we see them perhaps worshipping in a way that's not our way, why don't we ask God for hearts, humble hearts, that will allow us to be touched and inspired by others? You know, for me, sometimes I get really quite drawn into worship when I watch other people worshipping. And that's great, isn't it? So, you know, one of the biggest moments, in fact, the night really I became a Christian, it all began by me saying to God, I want to know you like she does. You know, and if it's not the way that you experience God and you long for that greater intimacy with God, ask him for it. I want to know you, God, like he does, like she does. And it, might, it will be different because every relationship's different, but God wants us to draw near to him. He wants to do that work in our hearts. We're going to come and share communion together in a little while. And this is a great place, isn't it, for us to be able to give to God our hearts and to receive from him his grace, what we need to be able to draw near to him. So I don't know, Anne, whether you want to just go back up and the rest of us um, stand together. I'm going to suggest that we take a moment to allow and invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Whatever it is that we've brought with us, whatever it is that we're carrying with us, God knows and he wants to draw near to us in worship. So I'm going to pray a couple of prayers that King David prayed right at the end of one of his psalms. And then we're going to have a moment of this quietness to allow the Holy Spirit to come and search us. And then I'm going to suggest that we join together in praying the prayer that will be on the screen as we move on into worship and towards communion. So let's let's just stand and open our hearts to God.